0: I tried unplugging it and plugging it back in. I tried pulling the cartridge out and blowing into it and then slamming it back in as hard as I can.
1: Did you give the TV a nice little side tap?
0: Yeah. Did you change between channel 3 and channel 4? Yeah, it's always channel 3, though. I don't know oh, why you really? switch it. It's oh, always channel
2: <laughs> I was always a channel 4 kid.
0: Wow. tough, t- Tough childhood, man. Yeah, man.
3: Welcome, the Three Idiots and a Lawyer, Matt Pfeiffer, along with Colin Lerner, Brett Fortnum, and Joe Shell. We're meeting you on a not as happy week. Syracuse's basketball season came to an end. Saturday night to Houston, 62 to 46. The Houston defense was just suffocating. And Syracuse exited the NCAA tournament in the sweet 16. Buddy Beheim really held down throughout that for only 12 points. So, in final result, Syracuse basketball ends 18-10, and 9-7 in the ACC. And now the transfer portal has opened up. The portal is open. To understand, we have to stop them. Now, after the game on Saturday night, Jim Beheim was saying he saw a scenario where 4-6 to six players were going to leave. Some of those are people who probably naturally were going to leave anyway. Merrick Dolajai, Sidibe, for example, who have gone through their whole college careers. They're going to have a degree in hand, likely going to just move on to the next stage of their lives. But the transfer portal has been quite active. Uh, Redshirt freshman John Bull Ajak and uh, Robert Braswell, the redshirt sophomore forward, both entered yesterday. Uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday. And today, the big news is that freshman Kadari Richmond is entering the transfer portal. Uh, a big, big loss for Syracuse if he does, in fact, leave. And I just say that because obviously you can come back. You don't have to leave if you enter the transfer portal. Obviously, it, it's relatively rare that a guy comes back once he enters. He's already received interest from Iowa State, West Virginia, Seton Hall, Yukon, Creighton, Maryland, George Washington. There's been conflicting reports about Florida State and Kentucky showing interest, but basically that's probably just the tip of the iceberg. He was the only top 100 recruit on the team this past season, so he's going to garner a lot of interest. A lot to suck in over the last couple days, guys. We look back at A Syracuse basketball season that was definitely underwhelming but had a fun final run, and now the future just seems to be completely up in the air.
1: The operative word there, Matt, is suck. I wasn't too disappointed after we lost to Houston because I really thought that team overachieved in the tournament. And as ugly of a basketball game as that was to watch, I couldn't be upset losing to a team that was better than us. You know, Beheim was out coached. The team was outplayed and that's not because of hustle or anything. I just think Houston is a better basketball team. Dejan Giroux absolutely shut down Bayheim. He was such a fantastic defensive player. He was going above screens and was just all over Beheim. And he was the injured. entire game. Yeah. super yeah. Impressive. I mean, how, how you do that? Well, it, he was clearly in pain and I, I, I so much wanted to dislike the guy because he's the type of player that I would love, but he's on the other team. And then when he when he goes out and with what he said in the the, the post game, you know, he's he, he's clearly ha- has a lot on his mind, and you, you can't root against you can't root against that kid. He's he's clearly got a huge heart and has a lot of drive, and I think that team's going to be fun to watch, but. You know they, we, we just couldn't score. Our offensive game plan was abysmal. Beheim said that he wanted the Wings to be able to beat their guys off the dribble, which doesn't really make sense when you're going against a, a defense like Houston because a good man-to-man defense isn't just going to be, oh, if I beat my guy, I, I have a clear lane to the, the rim. You're going to have those other guys on the help side coming up and we didn't have any plan for that. And we just had no offensive flow at all. And it, it showed. And I just, it was, it was, it was a tough game to watch.
3: And it's also important to point out Houston had 18 points off of turnovers. They took advantage of those opportunities. And honestly, the thing that we were most worried about, the difference wasn't as much as you thought the rebounding. We had 31 rebounds. They had 40 you know, I don't think that was as much of the difference as we thought it was going to be. And I have to say, Jesse Edwards was very impressive when he was in playing on defense. Yeah, there's not a
0: whole lot more to say. We, we just couldn't score against their defense. They were more athletic than us. They had a better game plan, and they were just overall a better team, but especially their defense we didn't have an answer for. Um, and like Brett said, that kind of alludes to being outcoached. We, we didn't have an answer, and we just kind of just kept trying the same stuff over and over again, and we were waiting for one of our shooters to bail us out, but it wasn't just Buddy. I mean, all the shooters were blanketed all game long. That's always been our fallback is hoping that someone gets hot, and they took that away, and we didn't have anyone who was athletic enough to really beat their man one-on-one in that scenario, except probably Kadari, who didn't play a ton, might, right. that might – that might have to do with his knee, because you know he's been giving us all he can, and uh, we'll we'll get to him in a little bit, I'm sure. But it really, the loss isn't what took the wind out of the sails, and it's it it was really just the the Qadari news today. I don't think anyone really saw a scenario where Braswell's role was going to increase much, despite what he's done lately. Um, him and Woody Newton are kind of redundant players. Um, with the way they fit into the program. I didn't think both of them would stay. I don't think it's guaranteed that both of the, that either one of them stays. They could both leave. I don't think anyone's shocked that Quincy's testing the waters. Doesn't sound like anything concrete. It'd almost be irresponsible of him to not do what he's doing at his age. right? Obviously, uh, Jim Bayheim has been saying for a year and a half that John Bull Ajack isn't built to play significant minutes in the ACC. He was never going to stick around. So nothing that's happened really hurt. We lost to a better team. We, like Brett said, we overachieved, so it really wasn't heartbreaking. But when you go through the season and you're like, we finally have that Syracuse point guard that that we've been waiting for, that we can build around. It's almost like a, a Frank Howard on defense who seems to have more upside on offense. Like you get excited and you start envisioning what the team is going to look like next year. And I don't know about you guys, but I've, been in my head throughout this slog of a season been like man but when benny williams gets here and kadari you know develops his three point shot a little more he's going to be unstoppable and and we might finally accumulate enough talent all at the same time to not have our annual bubble talk, we won't have this scenario where we have an episode titled, see you later NCAA tournament. And then later on (laughs) our episode about, I guess we made the NCAA tournament. It would have been nice to not have to do that. It would have been nice to have an episode next spring where we sit down and say, Hey guys, where do you think we're going to play? What bracket do you think we're going to be a four seed in? Like it was all heading that direction. And I don't think the team's going to be bad. I think it's gonna be roughly the same and that is almost worse in a way it's, it's yeah it's been very disheartening today
2: yeah I really could not like be more on your side with this one um I'll actually take it one step further I was sitting here thinking like you know with the team we're gonna have next year we're an easy top 25 team I was like convinced of that and this news today really just like you know punched me in the gut I'm with you I thought that like Braswell was gonna leave I was fine with that and I was fine with the loss I you know I really was but losing your only top 100 recruit and the guy who i really saw as being the kind of like the person to kind of lead us out of this mire and muck that we've been stuck in is gone i don't think there's any shot that he comes back i mean i you know i know we have to do our um uh due right. diligence there but mayheim
0: already bid him adieu
1: he released yeah, statement yeah. yeah. saying hey, thanks. thanks none of them are coming back
0: yeah yeah
2: no i know and um it sucks man it, it really sucks i mean I want to blame Bayheim for this one, but, I mean, it's—
1: Do it, then. Do it. Because no, I mean, I'm, if, if, if you know don't, I will. I will.
2: I mean, listen, I mean, it, sure, it's his fault, but I'm not, like, surprised, I guess, it's like, it's like, you know, what I'm getting at here. Like, I always thought that he was going to say George Royd would be the starter. I'm, I'm not shocked that, you know, he said that. I think that Richman has to know that he was going to say that as well. Um, I don't think
1: he did, though. That That's been disputed. I I think what, and and obviously there's a lot of tea leaf reading here, but I think what happened was Beheim probably had the conversation like, yeah, best player will play because that's what every coach will always say, no matter what. But he, in saying that, kind of made it clear that, well, you haven't supplanted Joe Girard, so I'm not going to change up my lineup. And when you think about it, when has Beheim done something like that? I mean, Dion Raiders came off. Yeah, Waiters I mean, yeah. I mean Beheim's yeah. never juggled his lineup without an injury necessitating it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think Beheim had to say it in like that many words. I mean, I think everyone knew that George Ward was going to be the starter coming next year. It, it sucks when it seems like everybody knows who the best player is, and the best player is not getting the minutes.
0: I don't. I don't think that it was done deal signed, sealed that Joe Gerrard was going to start the year as the starter. Obviously that's the way things generally go in our program. But I, I truly believe that Beheim's not an idiot. He knows Kadarius Richmond was his most talented guard. He knows that he was the best point guard he had on the roster, but I don't think he is beyond making that change at the beginning of the year. When you are starting the season and Kadari Richmond is a freshman who's never played a college game. I understand not throwing him in there right away, but next year, you know what you have. If Kadari comes out and is awesome in practice, I totally believe that Beheim would have made him the starter come game one. I believe what happened based on what, you know, the initial report that Beheim told Kadari Joe was still going to be the starter. And then the disputing that report. And then after reading, Matt Gutierrez's article after he actually got a chance to talk to Kadari Richmond. What I think happened was they did their post-season sit down and Qadari was looking to sit down in Beheim's office, have coach Beheim put a little conductor's hat on him and be like, train is yours. You're, you're steering it next year. And he didn't get that. He was looking for the guarantee and he didn't get that. And if that's the case, I don't fault Beheim for not just saying Right now, like, yep, you're the guy next year. Like, I don't think that's right either. I don't, and I, it it is kind of upsetting to me that he would leave the program over that.
2: Um, yeah, I think blame lies on both sides here. I don't want to. Yeah, listen, I mean, I it's it, far be it for me as somebody who is not a college athlete to tell somebody who is not getting paid when they put their body on the line what they should do with their you know career. However. You can make the argument very easily that other than Jeremy Grant, after um, uh, Carmelo Anthony, the best NBA career of any Syracuse graduate has been Deion Waiters, who never started a game in his entire career.
0: Which also he should have, but I guess my my final point is that I will fault the the coaching staff in general in the fact that Kadari Richmond was not secure in his place on the team, and there's no reason that that should have been the case. I know Brett will probably take it a step further than what I'm saying, but but um, I, that's where I'll leave it. He should not have felt like this was the answer. I'm not saying they should have guaranteed him the keys to the car, but they should have made it more clear that
1: this team was going to be built around him. So a, f- a few things. First is something that's completely outside of anybody, including Jim Beheim's power. The COVID year – Sucks. And I think that's why we're going to be seeing a complete explosion with the portal, in addition to the possibility um, or even the likelihood that there won't be the complete nonsense one year sit out requirement. I think that what COVID did was it didn't allow the players to become part of the community makes them stick and I don't think that's just going to be Syracuse I think a lot of schools are going to see that but yeah. the program that Jim Beheim, to his credit has built the environment that he has created around this program where this program is it in upstate New York I mean Syracuse basketball has a massive following in upstate New York and that's Jim Beheim's doing Kadari didn't really get to see that these guys just didn't have the opportunity to play a game in front of thirty thousand people, and I think that really, really hurts. They didn't get to be kind of the, the the big man on campus, where you know some students are just completely finding, Oh, I have astronomy one hundred and one with with a walk on or or something like that. Like that that didn't really happen this year, and I think that that's going to make players aren't going to establish those connections. Now with Kadari I'm I'm I think it's a good move for Kadari to leave. I think that's what is best for him. And that's what's frustrating. I don't think that Beheim Joe you're right. I don't think Beheim should have sat down and said Kadari here are the keys. But I think Beheim could have been able to foster a, a, a an environment where Kadari believed that he had a chance of getting those keys. He should have known that if he
0: kept doing what he was doing, that that's what was going to happen. And exactly. Clearly, you know, clearly, that was, that that was, was not.
1: That's, that's not because it's never. Say. It's never been the case. Yeah. In Jim Beheim's entire career, it's never been the case.
0: Yeah.
1: I could. I could very easily see a
2: thing where Beheim just says, pretty much what you said, Joe. The best player is going to play. I cannot guarantee you anything. The best player is going to play.
3: Tough thing with all this. Also, I mean, and it's just kind of the obvious thing is nineteen year olds change their mind. You know, nineteen year olds say, I don't like this place anymore. I'm gonna try somewhere else. I mean, that that ultimately is a a factor in this that I mean, think of all of us at nineteen, right? He he pretty and much how,
0: laid it all out in the in the athletic article. I mean, any anyone who's listening to this, if you have the athletic, you should and probably already do read Matt Gutierrez, but Qadari pretty much lays it out there. A couple of key things he says is that he wants to play with fewer restrictions. And clearly he's not referring to like the offense as as it flows because our offense is nothing but
1: freedom for the guy with the ball in his hands. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it might be, I I think Qadari was told not to shoot. Well, the, well, let me. You let, have all these other shooters on the team.
0: That's what I was. That's what I was getting to. And he he did say that pretty blatantly. He said that he wants to be able to go somewhere where he can show his full game. And he said, for example, I want to show everyone that I'm capable of of shooting jumpers. So clearly, yeah, Beheim didn't like something about his jump shot. Which, I mean, it doesn't look great, but he was knocking them down in the few that he took. So they probably didn't love his jump shot in practice and said, hold off on those this year. Don't do that. And You know, he does that with a lot of guys, and he's always done that with a lot of guys. So clearly it's that. He said he doesn't want to have too many things on his mind when he's playing. Clearly that's at least – We would
3: assume that's the zone. It's got to at least be referring to defense. Probably.
0: So it probably just wasn't a great fit all around. He wasn't happy, and he didn't feel like he was going to reach his full potential with us. So we may not have been capable of reaching the potential that we dreamed of with him. So I guess what what I'll say as my last point on Kadari Richmond, there's there's two schools of thought simultaneously battling in my head. This is awful. This shouldn't happen. He was going to be our best player. We're we're never going to be able to make up for this. It's going to be two or three recruiting cycles before we get any talent back. I can't believe Bayheim let this happen. So one side I have the little devil saying I can't believe Bayheim let this happen. On the other shoulder I have this thought of. Jim has been doing this for 50-plus years. This is, this is a consequence of what he does. This is a consequence of how he runs his program. Talent's going to leave if they don't fit, if they don't mesh with him. So, sure, other schools have their down periods, and they have losing seasons. They have extended periods, decades of not making the NCAA tournament. We've never experienced that. So if this is the consequence of never having a losing season, never missing the tournament for an extended period of time. If our bad stretch is this, and that means every once in a while you lose a player that you love, maybe that's just a consequence of, of Bayheim's system and how he runs his program. And you, you take the good with the bad. The good is you get, you know, sweet 16 appearances on the regular in a down season. The The downside is, you chase off some players that you, that you like to watch that don't necessarily mesh with what we're trying to do. So it's just I'm not even sure I've totally convinced myself of that yet, but it is a little <laughs> devil's advocate for you.
1: Sure. See, I think that the time is changing, and yeah, Beheim is
2: yeah. definitely and it but...
1: alludes to that that he's kind of not keeping up. I agree. Yeah. The, and the portal, I think, is changing everything. Your people keep calling it free agency, and you know what? I love the portal. I love the fact that a 19 year old can say, look, this isn't the right fit for me. I'm gonna go do what's best for me in my future. Coaches can do that. Sure, there's a, a contractual obligation that everyone completely ignores and, you know, payouts and clauses and, and such, but they always find a way around them, but they don't let the players do that. So like I can't wait for them to get rid of the the one-year sit-out requirement.
3: Which they, they're voting on, I believe, like this off season. So likely this is going to become a regular thing. It's going to be you can do one transfer through the portal and you won't have to sit out a year. Obviously right now you don't have to sit out because of COVID. Those have all been suspended right now, those things. So, And I think
1: Beheim is used to
3: being able to get
1: everyone to Syracuse and he's – Proven that he can get some of the elite talent to Syracuse, even in, in some of the down years, but he's always had some retention issue. And I'm, and, you know, every program has had some, but it it just seems like there's a lot of t- talent that hasn't come to fruition at, at, at Syracuse, and I think that's going to happen more and more because Beheim how to say this, I, I don't think behind has kind of the psychotherapist aspect of it that a lot of the great coaches do have, you know, he, he, he leaves that to other people and we, we've seen it. We've, we've seen it with Paul Harris a little bit. Paul Harris ended up staying. He, he did forego his senior year, but and we saw it with um, Roke, Tyler Roberson. And now we're just seeing it with a complete elite talent and mm-hmm. Beheim is himself as The troubling part Richard is that we have Williams seen is- him
0: we have seen him do it with guys that have kind of been his guys. He has these players that he picks that that don't have to worry about those things and do get caught a little bit. Joe Girard. Yeah, yeah. Guys who get longer leashes that for reasons to us seem to be inexplicable.
2: I think it's also impossible to ignore that all of this coincided with all of the new G League stuff. It's impossible to just ignore that yeah the college game is becoming more and more like the NBA game every single day. And it's becoming more and more evident that Jim Boeheim is not ready to change with that changing of the entire kind of scene of college basketball. Brett, I think you're absolutely right. Do you mean high schoolers going straight to the G League? I'm thinking back to the whole Darius Basley stuff or like uh, like Chris McCullough leaving after five games and basically not having a great NBA career. I can't tell you what he's doing now, but I know he's not you know starting somewhere.
0: He bounced around a little bit, and he's out. But I think Baisley actually plays a little bit for Oklahoma City.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was just talking about Baisley like, like committing and then leaving and then going to the G League. Yeah. But I th- no, McCullough I, I mean, didn't
0: stick anywhere. Yeah,
2: I think it's just impossible to ignore that the college game that we kind of grew up loving is changing. And it's going to be a different game where guys can essentially be free agents and choose to go where they want to go. And this, like, this four-year senior is going to be completely out of the game very soon. And I think that we have to get more like a John Calipari-esque program that is able to kind of turn around these one-and-done recruits quicker. Um, not well, well, that I love we that. There?
1: We've, we've, we've forfeited some wins. <laughs> yeah, really?
2: Yeah, there you go. I mean, not that I, I I love that change, but I just think that it is screaming at us in the face that the scene of college basketball is changing and we need to change with it.
3: Well, we are out trying to bring some players in. Beheim Bayheim talked about that as well. One that is going to announce on Wednesday, uh, which is when most of you are going to be listening to this, is Samir Torrance from Marquette. He is from Syracuse, New York, entered the transfer portal. Uh, Among the schools that are courting him, UMass, Siena, Albany, Wake Forest, Washington, South Florida, and Murray State, Mm -hmm. in addition to us. His numbers were not great this year. There is a
0: reason that list was all mid-majors is what my gut is saying.
3: Yeah, he was a top 100 prospect. He was a four-star recruit when he came out. But, yeah, this uh, he did not have a great year at Marquette. Now, that doesn't mean that it just was the wrong system and in the right system he could flourish. But there is certainly a question as to why – you know, the first three on that list are UMass, Siena, and Albany. Yeah.
0: He's a guy who maybe, you know, with looking at that list of interested schools being predominantly mid-majors, maybe he's a guy who still has the potential. That's the kind of guy we might want to go after because it's going to be someone who obviously is going to have to be okay coming off the bench for this upcoming season, maybe beyond, because Gerard and Buddy aren't necessarily going anywhere. So, you know, a talented guy who, who needs to build his – his career back up. Maybe
1: that's someone that we do need to look at. Well, the most interesting name in the transfer portal is. Jimmy. Richmond. <laughs> Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy. Jimmy.
2: Oh, please. Oh my God. Do I, we need an I, know, unathletic I know you guys talked about this in
1: an episode I wasn't part of, but I, it, it's going to be out there. And you, you wonder now that they need another guard. If you, if you have a, a Boeheim backcourt, He's I'll be a so guard. upset.
0: I'll be He's so a forward. Upset. He's taller than Buddy.
1: I did not realize that. Yeah, I just, yeah. Assumed he was a guard.
0: He's. I mean, like Jimmy's
3: in, real solid at Cornell, but I see him at another mid major.
0: Yeah, he's like an undersized wing at at a Ivy League school. So yeah, I don't. I don't know I, how he I fits. See,
3: I see him landing at like a Patriot League school or a different Ivy or you know maybe a lower. I don't know, like a low A-10 or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's like I
2: Dayton, somewhere like that.
3: Yeah. Um, but let's just kind of look back at, at what we've been through here the previous couple of months. Uh, just some interesting stats. If you look back on the season this year, uh, Syracuse outscored its opponents on, on average. We had 74.8 points a game to 70.1 points a game. Our uh, three-point percentage was... Almost thirty five percent, but we were about even with our opponents when it came to three pointers a game. Our free throws—I have to point this out—we were seventy eight point two percent on the season free throws, which is absolutely and good. yet
2: and yet absolutely still still tight. missed the front end of a one and one.
3: Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> well, um, the weirdest
1: part of all think that I've to ever me shouted is shouted at Buddy Bam as much as my <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Who actually had a pretty good year at the line overall too. So that was yeah. frustrating. But the fact that our we just had the best free throw shooting season in school history with our best free throw shooter last year having a terrible year at the line this year. None of it makes sense.
3: Yeah, it it, it is weird. We were out rebounded by 70 re, uh was it 70 rebounds for the whole season. So not quite as bad as we thought, but you know, I think it would be different when you looked at against who did we do well rebounding and who didn't we do as well. Turnovers, we won the turnover battle. We did pretty well on points off of turnovers. We won the battle in steals. We averaged eight steals a game. We averaged five blocks a game. Uh, but again, 18 and 10, 9 and 7 in the ACC. Uh, some team leaders. Buddy Bayheim leading score, not surprising. 444 points. I'm not making that up. All right. <laughs> 444.
2: Really? That's yeah.
3: unbelievable. 17.8 points a game. Quincy Guerrier was the team leader in rebounds. He averaged 8.4 a game. Joe Girard was the team leader in assists. Kadari was the leader in steals. Alan Griffin led the team in bo- in blocks. Best friend And throw.
1: open three corners allowed.
3: Yeah. Best free throw percentage was Alan Griffin, by the way, followed by Dolajai. Griffin was 52 of 58 from That's the line. Dolajai was 87 of 102, which is pretty impressive. So those are just some numbers. Uh, I could get into a lot of other individual stats. We had uh, we had three guys who averaged more than 10 points a game. So Griffin, Garrier, and Beheim, which were like, Griffin was 13.3. Garrier was 13.7. Beheim was 17.8. So this team could score. There was no doubt about that, especially because this team was so good from beyond the arc. But defensively this year, this team also had a lot of issues. So I don't know. As we look back at 2020-2021, what are we going to say about this team other than the run that was so impressive to the Sweet 16? Underwhelming would, I think, be the word I would use for the most part of this season. Hey, remember Qadari? Yeah.
0: Honestly, years from now, we're gonna look back and it's gonna be the Kadari year. It's like the, it's like that's what will stand out. it will be like, oh, the year, yeah. the year we had Kadari a little bit. He played twenty minutes a game. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm gonna look
2: back and think about Dolajai fondly, and then just feel sad every time I look back at it. I mean, I, I really see a two years down the line where we're facing Kadari in the like Sweet Sixteen game. I really see that as a possibility, and I think it's gonna be very, very sad.
3: Well, if he ends up at Florida State, we could play him every year.
1: I hope Kadari Richmond ends up being an All-American and just making Bayheim look like an idiot. Yeah, I don't I think really he's
0: do. playing two more years in college. I think he's going somewhere where he can showcase yeah. himself better to make the jump.
1: Yeah. And I think he's I think he's going to be a decent NBA player. I think there's a distinct possibility that,
0: that happens. If someone can fix his jumper, I mean, he's an NBA player. There is not, it, He's on that trajectory.
2: Yeah. And I do want what's best for him. I'm just very sad sitting here right now.
0: Yeah, I have no animosity yeah. towards him. I'm sad that our team put him in a situation where his best option wasn't to stay and play for Syracuse. That's what makes me sad. I agree.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. yeah,
0: I do have one reason for optimism, and I'll share this with you guys just so you can feel a little it. better. Yeah. Um, I talked myself into this today. I'm like, I, I, I still believe that Gerard has more to give us. Like, not oh, that he
1: absolutely
0: I does. so I, I think if he can be the player that he showed us in the first two games of the NCAA tournament this year, if that's Joe Girard, you know, some boneheaded threes, some of them go in, some of them don't, you scream at the TV either way. Uh, Some, some bad turnovers, some some miscues handling the ball, but overall a solid ball handle handler, a good distributor. If he can rebound from the guard position and become that 38% three point shooter that we've been dying for him to be. And if he can just, you know, cut down on the three quarter court shots for no reason, every once in a while he hits one at a big moment because he's like, "We need something," and there's no one around me. I'm going for it, and he knocks him down. So, I like I like Joe Girard. I think we're gonna have to rely on him more than we wanted to now.
3: I think in front of people he's gonna do better. Yeah, let's exactly. just point it out. He's exactly. doing better Absolutely. when people so. Yeah.
0: So the, the team is still going to be able to score. And this is this is all just based on what we know right now. If Alan Griffin comes back. Right now we're assuming Quincy Gary will probably be a part of this program next year. Obviously that could change in an instant. There's still a lot of good pieces of Jesse Edwards. Did you guys see the little baby hook he breaks out every once in a while? Oh, He's got a smooth shot. If that's his signature shot and he just gives us six or eight points here and there, seven or eight rebounds, and is just a presence that's all we need. He his free his free throw shooting stroke isn't broken. So he's going to get fouled, he'll get to the line. Hopefully he can be like a 70, 75% shooter at the free throw line. There's pieces to like the team will score. And this team's not going to score fewer points next year because Kadarius Richmond isn't part of the team. There's no, he only
3: averaged 6 points a game. So there's yeah, a, a lot of holes so on defense. Worst defensively, in, yeah.
0: Obviously, we know that when the guards couldn't defend someone or couldn't stop a team from penetrating, he was a one-man answer, and they'll have to figure that out. But the real thing that, that we're going to miss is that Qudari could get to the basket. Double-team, triple-team, he'd get to the basket, and he could finish. We don't have a lot of guys who can finish in contact like that. Yeah. My hope is that Benny Williams is the guy who's going to be the slasher. He'll make up for that. He'll come in. He'll play, play a lot of minutes from the wing. He probably... You know, maybe Beheim will start him, and he'll play a lot of minutes. And if he can be the physical presence, rebound, get to the basket, maybe if he's you know really the special player we're hoping he is, he can almost help facilitate the offense a little bit from the wing, which which would be helpful, especially without Dolajai. So my hope is that Benny Williams comes in and is just so dynamic that we're not leaning on our guards so much, which is what yeah. exposed a lot of the issues that Kadari was going to help fix. You're going to have, hopefully, a real presence at the five, some real athletes who can play defense on the wings, and you're not going to have to lean on your undersized and unathletic guards for as many things. And hopefully that kind of shifts everything over and absorbs some of the holes that we were hoping Kadari was going to fill this year.
2: Yeah, I I can go with you on that one. I also, I have something that I've been telling myself ever since I kind of heard this news earlier today that has helped me kind of off the cliff mildly is um I think back to the the Duke game the, the huge Duke game that we won right and there was a stat at the end of that game that I'll never forget and it was that Duke in that game was I believe 16 of like 30 of th- on uh, threes going into overtime we were three of four and we wound up winning that game scoring essentially all of our points in the paint and I'm hoping at least that next year, that is the identity of our team, that we are not a three-point barrage shooting team. That
0: with- I don't know about that, but more balanced for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I, least, I'm you with you, yeah. Could,
2: you can make the argument, and there are many ifs here. If Quincy comes back, if Benny Williams is the NBA-caliber talent that we project him hopefully to be, then we could have two NBA-type forwards on either wing and an improved Jesse Edwards and a senior Beheim. That is a good looking team. That's really, I believe. I
0: feel what you're putting down, but I don't see this group being a very good team without hitting a boatload of threes. Many,
2: many, many ifs. Many ifs. But I I do see it possible.
1: So you guys were talking about trying to step back from the cliff. I have taken my camp chair, I've opened it, and I've made sure at least one of the legs is hanging off. And it's going (laughs) to be there until Bayheim retires. Because what we're going to see next year, we're going to see a seven and a half man rotation. Same as it always was. We're going to see some guys get... That's all, that's,
0: that's how many scholarship players we'll have next year, so that's fine. Well, <laughs> yes. I, <laughs> <house>. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. Oh my God, what happened?
1: Easy up. Uh, they, they made Buddy pay half tuition for some reason. Oh, oh John Bull Ajak kind of came back. <laughs> well, I, I, and I think... I honestly think that better roster management would... would alleviate so much of the frustration. I think if you were somebody like Roy Williams when you have a bunch of guys getting in, getting out and just spread out those minutes over more guys, so it doesn't necessarily feel like anyone is sitting for an extended spell. I think that Kadari could feel like, yeah, I can take over. Maybe as they, as it becomes so blatantly apparent that you have to play him he would be getting upwards of 30 minutes a game. And to me, it, it's, it's the definition of insanity and it's going to be the same yeah. next year. And it's going to be the same the year after that, it's going to be the same until Beheim leaves the program. And he's, I, and I just, I, I can't get my hopes up too much because I think that the, that college basketball is moving in one direction and Jim Bayheim has set his anchor down and we're just going to have to watch this all play out. And the, we have a relatively low ceiling now, and I, I hate I, that one. I ceiling.
0: agree with pretty much everything you're saying content-wise, but all I'll say is, and I know Colin, to, to his chagrin, has said this, that Syracuse basketball is Jim Beheim, and be careful what you wish for just because we don't know what's on the other side. We don't know if Syracuse University is somewhere that can sustain an above-average basketball program without a legendary Hall of Fame coach.
3: Look at Indiana. I,
0: th- I would like to think that we can. I would like to think the brand will be able to carry on without him. But that's all speculation. We don't know what's on the other side. Hopefully there is well, a Syracuse basketball that is nationally relevant without Jim Boeheim, But I don't think it is possible to
2: understate how important this is new coaching hire is going to be. I think it has to be somebody like a Jerry McNamara, somebody whose name people know. I think if it's it not, kinda has to
0: that's a Sarah yeah, yeah, yeah. like how Syracuse oh, yeah. it
3: has yeah, to it be has a
0: to Syracuse be. guy.
3: I I I still wanna see when this happens, the national search. I, I, because, because you, you have know to what do it, you, yes, you right. have it, it, one it should be chance. the national
1: search, but it, you should be interviewing the former Syracuse guys who are right. all over the NCAA.
3: I agree. I agree. I'm just saying you, you're going to have one shot here where you are one of the premier programs that you are going to get an unbelievable. I mean, I would love to see what the applications look like when this happens. Is Stevie I, I mean, Thompson the head would,
0: guy at SoCal, or is he an assistant there?
1: I think he's an assistant there.
0: Yeah.
3: But I, I he's, just, he's
0: a hot name right now, too. It,
3: it, it's going to be the hottest names in college basketball, and I guarantee you that there's going to be one or two names that you're like, whoa, it's going to be somebody from an established program that's got their name in there that you're just kind of surprised to see. Who, I don't know. Would we ever know? possibly not if they're not the person who's chosen or anything, but Syracuse got to take advantage of the opportunity where you can just get some of the best talent in college basketball coaching wise. So, I mean, I think we're still about a year and a half, two years from that. I think we're close to it. I do think we're close to it, but.
0: I
2: think once Buddy leaves, Jim will tell us he has a year, two years left. Oh, I don't know. hes, I, don't he's think so.
0: I think he's gonna go bench to grave. I don't think there's gonna be anything in between for him. It's oh, possible. Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm inclined to think the same thing. And I just—just really just in terms... terms. I just really do. Yeah.
0: I hope he lives forever in a retirement home in Jamesville, and <laughs> <Yeah>. actually retires.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's just time. I—I I still think it's time. We've had this conversation, and—and and I always preface it with Jim Bayheim has forgotten more about college basketball. And basketball in general than I'll ever know, and than any of us know.
2: no, the most frustrating part about all this is, is that it there was a right time for him to leave, and it was when he originally said, "I'm gonna go in five years." That was the right time for him to leave. And we could have kept Mike Hopkins, but then
1: we started recruiting Buddy. Yeah, I know. I think that I think that was it. I mean, that Hopkins left because because Buddy's name came up, and that's when he went look. I don't want to make it awkward.
0: I here's think here's you're right. a question. Just
2: makes me upset.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Dr. If Jim Beheim does retire without becoming deceased, <laughs> can you even fathom what it would be like for a retired Jim Beheim to be no. around or even watching Syracuse basketball? It would be impossible for that next coach, unless no. it's one
1: of his guys. Oh, see, I I, I think that, well one i think that's why it would absolutely be someone that he coached. You think
0: he would and, just check out and have nothing to do with with the Syracuse
1: basketball, and not watch it, not be around, not Oh, i think he'd watch it and i think he might be around in like a box or something, but i he clearly doesn't enjoy engaging with the media and i think he would let let his new coach do with it as as he may. And i think he would just kind of it, Doesn't a part it, it, of you
0: think he'd be hunting down Mike Waters to give his opinion what he thinks the program's like and how the new coaches? Do. He's like, there is, there is
1: <laughs> no, no, because he's, gonna, he's going. to Why aren't to you playing nine guys? As, as as long as he wants to, do that he's going to keep coaching. There's one. Can I throw an and That's why I don't here think here. he's going to stop anytime soon. Can, can and, I?
3: Th- go ahead. Now, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: And the, to an earlier point, Joe, about the consistency that the program has had under Jim Beheim, you're absolutely right. But that low ceiling just it frustrates me so much and if sometimes you just have to take the risk to get that higher ceiling and i'm i'm ready for it
3: can i throw a name in there and i know he's probably already too old but i i I could just see it because he worked for jim rick patino i would stop
1: i would stop yeah i i I'm i'm not watching yeah i agree i'm 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 not watching that. That I'd might watch. be one of the very very few I names think it was you could Wild pull where I don't
2: watch. Than that. I really do. Having never met the guy, having really no like opinion on the dude, I have to hopefully give him more credit.
3: I so. mean, it. What was it a year ago or not even that? Beheim brought Patino in to talk to the team. I mean. That's that's part of why, you know, because he was bringing in different people. And I think the university powers
0: that be have more self-awareness than that. Yeah.
1: And and just for basketball reasons, other than the millions of terrible reasons that we we have for not hiring strictly on a who's after Jim Beheim, you want a guy who can be there for 15, 30 years and Patino's not that guy. You want Jerry McNamara? If you're, if
3: you're, I don't Iona, think I'm it's going go go to my I, it's be Jerry McNamara. It's not going to be. He's
1: probably
0: not going to be ready, but I, I hope he is. I hope, but he's probably got to go somewhere else first. Honestly,
1: I, I love Jerry McNamara. I desperately want to be Jerry McNamara, but at this stage, if Jim Beheim retired in the next two years, it I don't it think be that. McNamara. Yeah.
3: Jerry McNamara, Jerry McNamara. is my is favorite
1: Syracuse player of all time, and that will never
3: change. Is there Jerry a reason... McNamara, I think, is going to eventually be at a mid major. Yeah. I, I just
2: see as him a... as a guy who I just speaking to the like rant that I went on earlier, I just I see him as a guy who understands that basketball is changing, who can coach the jump shot heavy offense that is coming, who can connect to a kind of younger incoming audience. I just I think that he checks off all the boxes other than head coaching experience.
0: He's one of the, the few guys team. who could take over the program and you don't lose that recruiting tool of, oh my God, Jim Beheim's here to see me play basketball. Cause now you have, oh my God, Jerry McNamara is here to see me play basketball. And he is a name
1: that people know. Sure. But I do he's think a legend. You lose a lot. He, he, he's a legend in upstate New York and Scranton. I think if Jerry McNamara goes down to North Carolina, uh, North Carolina high school to watch a game, you're, you're not going to get that same I think reaction he, I think Jim Beheim went.
0: I think he's a college basketball legend. At least, you know, kids who grew up playing basketball, they know who he is. They've seen the highlights on YouTube. They know the kind he, of shooter but, that he was.
3: But these guys that you're recruiting weren't even born when Jerry won the won the national title.
0: Jim Beheim's an almost 90-year-old man who shows up to their high school. Yeah, and but, but still you're is. talking
3: about – t- yeah, but – yeah, but you're talking Jim Beheim has coached through their childhood and teenage years. You know, McNamara hasn't been like a, a, Mac-
1: a McNamara had four years of fame before. and Beheim has had forty. Or yeah, you get
0: a you get a letter from different. head coach Jerry McNamara and you, you Google who's Jerry McNamara and
1: He has credibility, is my point. He has basketball credibility. credibility, But if you have to Google him, that's the point. That's
3: not, yeah. I I want somebody that they're going to be like, oh, I know who this is. So then who do you have in mind? mind? Who do I have in mind? Well, I would still bring back Hop if you can. I don't think but, he
0: wants to. Yeah, I
2: don't. think I,
3: he has a I'm that not thing. convinced. I, on I that mean, yet. also
0: Washington State had a He's, or just had a Washington. Washington. He's at Washington risk
3: from being fired
0: from, State, from Washington because you know, he has, he has like yeah. he has three five star recruits every year and they haven't been good in three years.
3: I don't know. I mean, I I, I just think I don't think McNamara is the answer yet. He's probably I, not. you right. He's probably not. I think you need to have somebody who's established who is coached at a. Decent program, either a high mid major or a, a bottom to mid power five and power six. And and frankly, you could get somebody from another major power five or six if you're willing to fork over the cash. So I would like to see Syracuse go in that direction. Go get somebody who has established themselves that these young you know, recruits are going to say, hey, I know that guy. That guy took whatever team to the elite eight. You know, two years ago before he went to Syracuse or something like that. How many I don't know if those hires work, get...
0: though. I, Shaka, I don't Shaka, Shaka Smart's been terrible everywhere he's gone since he was at VCU. I'm yeah. worried about that sort of hire.
3: Well, yeah, but I mean, Roy Williams was at Kansas and then ended up at UNC and it worked. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, but Kansas is.
1: Kansas I mean, Kansas. Was Kansas. Kansas was. They have the longest active NCAA streak. They were a. Kansas is
0: a blue blood program. And the only reason right. they didn't win the title was wait, because wait, wait, wait. there was this guy.
3: The only re- yeah, no. I, the only reason I'm arguing, I don't know why you're arguing this, because the point is, is. Because Syracuse
1: a- is the type of school that loses the head coach to the better program, like a UNC or yeah. even a Kansas.
3: Yeah, but it's a, It look, we're still a top 10 job, probably top 15 job in college basketball, right? It's
0: hard to say because it's never been I open.
3: Well, I I would tend to think that we're somewhere in the top ten, fifteen. I
1: I think there's a difference be between being a top ten or fifteen program. I, I wouldn't and being a top ten or fifteen job. Yeah, and um, upstate New York is not. But how many how
3: many York schools, schools have the yeah, basketball
0: resources that, that ours do?
3: Yeah, I I Fair don't think the fewer than ten is going to play as much of an aspect on this one as it does in. Who's
1: talking time. about the weather? Well, you're talking just about.
3: Up- you're talking about central New York. So I assume always that that's going to be a, that's a weather comment.
1: It, it, it wasn't a weather <laughs> comment. It was, it was a upstate New York comment. Like a
3: depressed. I, region. I, uh, you're, I, I, you're, I, I, I
1: grew know. up there. I, I I still go back. I yeah, go but back I mean, mainly can, because my family's there, but like there's, there's just, there's not a lot going on.
3: Yeah. But the half, the big tens in the rust belt, if we're going to use that, I mean, you yeah, know. but I
1: mean, you, you can't compare Syracuse. Like Look at Rust Belt City. There's still more going on in those cities than
3: Syracuse. I mean, is there that much going on in East Lansing or in Ann Arbor? I mean, honestly, other than they're kind of like what well, Ann Arbor is like an hour from Detroit. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Look, I, I think I, I as, get it.
2: As Syracuse students, it is impossible to be like mildly rational about this. I have a name that we won't get, but that is the guy who I want. And that is Scott Drew from yeah. Baylor. I don't think that we'll get him. But I think what about Nate
0: Oates. Oh, Nate Oates would be great. Do yeah. you think he would leave? I don't think Alabama is a destination basketball
1: job. No, I, I think he would absolutely leave for a, a better job. I don't I know. If, Alabama, yeah. does, does he have any Syracuse connection? I don't think so, but he's proven to be a good coach.
0: and he. Oh, no, I would love Nate Oates. He built up Alabama kind of from nothing. He well, built a buffalo from from up buffalo from nothing, and he wouldn't live yeah. in the
3: shadow of a football so, program.
0: Yeah, and at least it's a Central New York tie. Yeah,
3: yeah, he's from Central New that's York. Green.
0: He it's he cool. brought Buffalo to the tournament. He brought oh. them to prominence for like you know their last
3: yeah.
0: great team that they had.
3: I don't know. This is this is really interesting, and we should do a whole episode on this at some point. I think we have, haven't we? We we, we, <laughs> we kind of have. Oh, um, also, very quick. Shut I up, Brett. Right, we need content. Joe, yeah. To say,
2: Joe, um, uh, to your point about what Behaim will do after he like leaves, I think there is absolutely one hundred percent a scenario where Jim Behaim gets a tech while sitting on the sideline. of a street. <laughs> I think a hundred percent is possible that he's just mouthing
1: off and just gets teed up. He get teed up from varsity. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think I think Beheim will be senile by the time he retires completely, and entirely. I really Possibly. hope that's not. I true think he might God. already be halfway there. To be honest with you, I really
3: hope that's not true. Well, before we end this show, just want to hit a few things. The women's basketball program is seeing a massive exodus as well. Nine bad. players are in the transfer it's bad. It's portal. Uh, Emily Angsler, which is a big that loss. That one really hurts. And Kiara Lewis, who was already a senior. So that kind of falls in with people who are seniors who decide to try somewhere else for the last year. But she was a leading scorer the last two years. Mueva um, Jaldi-Tabdi and and Digna Stroutmane, who was a four-year contributor as well. So there's some pretty big people hitting the exits.
1: I'm worried that something's going on over there that we don't, that no one really knows about yet. There was because, an incident. Right. And
3: I, what, do we know what that is or do we no, know?
0: But that's, that's why a bunch of players were suspended for the postseason, And apparently somehow Emily Angstler is tied in to that. There's a reason people were disgruntled, but I, I don't want to speculate. Cause I don't really know, but it is, it's a lot of talent leaving, but there's still a lot of talent coming in. And I think the girl that's coming in from SoCal is, is going to help alleviate some of that shooting that we were going to count on angstler for. So say what you want about coach Q. He obviously has maybe not had a, a ton of his teams reach their full potential, but he has never had an issue injecting talent into this program. And I think he will continue to do so. And, I would love to see him coach a team up to meet that full potential and compete for a championship. Yeah. He
1: has steadily built this program up from obscurity mm-hmm. in uh, in a way that's been very enjoyable to watch and follow. I just, I, I'm I'm very curious as to what happened this year and and why this is all happening because, I mean, even more so than the men, I think that the women's team had some. Huge potential next year. The only player they lost that has like a drastic
0: change on how next year's team is going to look is really Angstler. The other yeah. players were, were were smaller level contributors, and you know you. Well, you have to... Lewis, but Lewis, like yeah. I
3: said. She was probably going to leave anyway. She was – I know they
0: listed her as a redshirt junior, but isn't she like a COVID redshirt junior? She's she's a senior. She's she's,
3: played four years. She's going to have a degree in hand. She's already a transfer. Yeah, that
1: that, that one I wasn't really so worried about because, I mean, once you have your degree in hand, if you want – for all I know, there's an academic program that she wants to go somewhere else for. Right. I, no qualms about that. It, it was it, it was just the sheer number. The number is daunting. It, yeah, it, it definitely it, it
0: speaks to more than just what we're seeing because of the transfer portal and COVID. Clearly, there was a team-wide thing that caused a group to leave. But yeah. does that mean there's yeah, that, something... That can wrong?
1: really mess up with team chemistry even yeah, next year. Yeah, but also it's, it's, a, it's
0: a good sign that someone has already signed on to join the team. I feel like if there were real trouble, word gets around and someone may not be... Looking to transfer into the program so quickly, so that's already happened. That's yeah. that's positive.
3: And then I just want to hit on Syracuse lacrosse. They lost a. a heart oh God!
0: End. What 15, a weird game! Fifteen
3: oh. to fourteen to Duke. Uh, they they got down twelve seven. They came all the way back. Almost completed the comeback. Couldn't
0: it was just ball. like the last time we played Duke in the national championship game. We could score. Our offense was way more efficient. We just couldn't win a faceoff. And the possession yep. difference is the reason we lost. And more that's the reason bad. why they went out and recruited Ben Williams the next year to be the faceoff specialist.
3: Yep. If, yeah.
0: it, I don't understand it. It's the same faceoff team, mostly FOP and Varello, who played really well against Virginia. And I don't know yeah. what it was. They just, they there was some quirk between uh, FOP and. And the ref who was officiating the face-offs where the ref was picking up something on Falk that he called him for one violation and then a second violation. Once that happens, you're toast. And it happened so early in the first half that it got in his head and Falk just couldn't win a face-off. Just to clarify for anyone who may not know, if you get three face-off violations in a half, it is a 30 second man down penalty every time you do it as a team for the rest of the half. Falp got 2 faceoff violations early. Duke just took over the X from there and, and the possessions were the difference. It's why we got behind and it's why we couldn't climb back into it sooner, and we were left with bad angles at, at the get at the net at the end of regulation. We just we couldn't put the ball on cage in any effective way at the end there.
2: Yeah, I mean, you hit basically everything spot on. I mean, that was a perfect analysis of the game. The only thing that I'll add to that is a little bit of the technical of the actual faceoff thing is um, he was getting them for flinching, which it's so it's so tough, man, because when you're in that, in, you know, in that faceoff dot, it is so it's a split second timing. And if you flinch for one second, you get called and there are refs who. Are more understanding of a quick little flinch, kind of. It's just like kind of football. There's a you know ref will kind of see a little offensive lineman who moves, and there are some who are quick on the flag and some who are not. And if you get two early ones for what you think are just you know you're kind of moving, and what he's calling them as you're flinching and the procedural penalties, then it's kind of getting your head. I mean, I think you're absolutely right on, Joe. I just I think it's just a disconnect between probably what FOP usually does and the ref just being a little bit more, I guess. On him about these kind of small movements, but yeah, there's well, there's absolutely no way to win a college uh, lacrosse game when you lose what twenty out of thirty faceoffs, whatever it was. Some absurd. Like it that. was worse than that, yeah, I think. Yeah, this is oh, no
3: way. Syracuse is four and two, one and one in conference. They've got another big conference matchup Saturday. Sixth-ranked Notre Dame comes to the dome. So that's there's the no second. more wiggle room.
0: There's no yep. more wiggle room. You have to you have to win.
3: That's the second of six straight games against top 20 opponents. So this is this is a tough stretch. It's like we said before this. This is where we find out really what we've got.
2: Yeah, we didn't start off well. You have to win out. You absolutely have to yeah. win
0: out. Silver lining, though, at least the context of the game seems to be understood. Uh, we only dropped one spot in the rankings after losing a game, which I think... Yeah. Speaks volumes to the fact that the voters for the lacrosse polls are paying attention to what we're doing.
3: Well, so you're playing the second-ranked team in the country, so losing to that isn't you know, it's not like an embarrassing loss. And you lost to him by one. Can so. I just say again
2: that I hate John Zanowski? Yeah. I you know yeah. j- j- just want to throw yeah. it out there one more time. The head coach is, of, of is D-
1: he the enemy of the podcast, Colin?
2: I would. I mean, none of you have any issues with him. I have a very, very severe issue with John Danowski. And I mean, we also.
3: can have an issue with him.
2: Please, it's it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, I would love nothing. <laughs> more shall than we?
3: Shall we podcast. name the Duke? He has single. He has enemy.
2: single. Hand, he single-handedly ruined the Hofstra the Cross Program, which was the best college cross program on Long Island by far.
1: You had oh, me do, you do you want to make, make make the motion? Make the motion. I would make like to make the, the, the motion.
2: motion to make John Danowski an enemy of the podcast officially. All I would All like the second favor? motion.
0: All those in favor, say aye. Aye. Uh, enemy of the podcast. Bye. Thank All you very right. much, guys. I to tell you, I feel much better boss.
2: after this whole conversation than I did coming on to, to, to do this episode. <laughs>
0: It's been very thera- therapeutic. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Husband.
3: Well, and because it was therapeutic and we're already over an hour into this, we're not going to go and have a rant because let's face it. Half of this episode was kind of a rant anyway. So look, if you've got the 1990 NCAA lacrosse trophy, let us know that you have it, that it's safe. Uh, we just want to know that it is, is in safe hands uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at 3ILpod, like us on Facebook, 3 Idiots and a Lawyer, and give us the stars wherever you're listening to us. And of course, thank you for listening to us wherever you're listening. We are so happy to have you join us every week and talk in Syracuse sports. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a few more positive things to talk about next week. Maybe we'll have a few new people transferring into some of these basketball programs. Oh, Uh, I didn't
1: know where you're going. I thought I was getting traded or something. (laughs) Uh, We're going to have a couple of people sitting in. Brett Fortnum
0: (laughs) has been entered into the transfer portal (laughs)
3: against his will. (laughs) Don't give us ideas, Brett. All
0: right. Brett (laughs) is now in a podcast about the office. (laughs)
1: I've never watched The Office. Exactly. All I the more me. reason
3: to have you do it. That Got would a be lot of homework to stuff. do. Um, Actually,
1: no, I, I did watch like um, half the first uh, season of The British Office.
3: Okay. All right. Well, you know, that's that's better than nothing. It's a start. But yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, so hopefully... We'll I, I,
1: I'll, a, I'll be the John Bull Ajax of The Office podcast. <laughs>
3: Are you going to let me, look, you're <laughs> editing this. Are you going to let me end this or are you going to just drag this out? We'll hopefully have more positives to talk about. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about major league baseball since uh, opening days this football,
0: week, but, spring practice, football and,
3: and football spring practice started today. So that's exciting as well. Dave, have Dino, I'll just put this out there has already said the quarterback positions in open competition. So Garrett Schrader's on campus. Let's see what he can do. And and by the way, if Garrett Schrader turns around and and helps us to a bowl game, then there's the example where the transfer portal benefits. So who knows what happens there. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some Major League Baseball and some uh, other fun things. And we'll have a review of this lacrosse matchup with Notre Dame. So until next week for Brett Fortnum, Joe Shell, Colin Lerner, I'm Matt Pfeiffer. We'll see you next time. (laughs) We'll <laughs>